My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. This is It's Not About Food podcast, and I'm really, really excited about my guest today, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell you what he does and what he's up to. But I thought that since we're in the middle of this whole sort of, I don't even know what we would call this sci-fi COVID-19 planet thing happening right now, we would talk about how hard it is to, for some of us that are recovering and part of our recovery a lot of time is to connect with other people, get out of our own loop-de-loop-de-loop head, and then find people who can be our tribe, if you will, and recover together. And right now we're not being able to do that, although I do know that a lot of my clients are online and with Zoom and Skype and all kinds of stuff going to meetings, or I had a group last night, and we patched in a whole bunch of people that instead of going to an office, we had everybody was in their home in their jammies, and we had a group in that, so that was pretty fun. But anyway, we're doing whatever we have to do. So I think what I want to say is the lesson of the day is sort of letting go of what we think. We need things to be and open up to what things are and easier said than done, I know, especially if we're scared or worried or upset, fearful. But I think right now we really do have to open up to the unknown because we don't know. We don't know what this whole thing is about or where it is and if it'll hit us or we're all doing our little part. But it also is very scary that any one of us could be knocked down, if you will. But isn't that the way life is? I don't know. I could really try to control everything in my life and then have a heart attack. So we don't really know. So I'm really happy to introduce my guest, Eric, and I'm so grateful for him to be here today and on the podcast. So go ahead, Eric, and just tell us where you are, what you're doing, what's up with you. Well, thank you, Laura Lee. It's a pleasure to be here with you virtually. I am in Jamaica right now, and like the rest of the world, on lockdown. I'm probably unlike most, though. I've got a little bit better scenery here around the coast of South Jamaica, where I work in psilocybin therapy. I'm an administrator of psilocybin. More, more education is my role. We've got therapists that are on team with us, but I founded Michael Meditations, a psilocybin retreat center in 2013, mainly as an educational endeavor because I'm, like I said, I'm not a therapist. But working with almost a thousand clients now, definitely picked up some tools of the trade, I think, and definitely feel like have gained some insight into how to recover from trauma, from addiction, from just from life, you know, and life, it's every day, potentially, we're confronted with major, minor stressors, and they all take a toll. So it's really important that we put focus on healing and recovering from all of that, which, you know, like you said, it's all scary. It's all ever present, Mm -hmm. um, but it's also part of the process that we've got to go through. So I really appreciate what you said about just kind of relaxing into it and letting go into what I like to just call the process, this whole crazy, amazing world that we 
find ourselves in universe that <laughs> you look out into the cosmos and it's just a big question mark. It's just a big mystery. And so letting go into that and not having to know that we have to know all the answers or we have to be perfectly healthy and healed and recovered right now, accepting where we are in the process. That's beautiful. It's, it reminds me of that paraphrase, the Bruce Springsteen thing about, well, whatever you don't willingly let go of will be torn away anyways. So mm-hmm. <laughs> might mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. sort of relax yeah. into yeah. it. The incredible irony of where we find ourselves here, we've had all the comforts that life could offer us in the West anyway. Even people of very modest incomes have lived very comparatively comfortable lives uh, in the last hundred years or so. We've had all these very modern tools of connection, the internet and the, you know all the, the cyber stuff. And then culturally, though, what I see working with time after time, what we suffer from is a lack of connection. Yes. And so we so often do not realize how connected we are, and we find ourselves depressed or anxious or feeling isolated or self-medicating because we feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And now here we are painfully seeing how connected we all are and how crucial each one of us is to the entire network. I know. And the result of that is isolation and actual disconnection. I have a house in the States where I go see family and stuff when I can and when I go back to the city so many times it struck me as so potent walking around and people being on their devices and not connected to the people around them okay and here in Jamaica people are very connected they always acknowledge each other they always whatever hell we hail each other up and so going back to the states and seeing how there is every opportunity for us to be really connected to the people around us up there but we haven't. We've been right. connected through these devices. And now we're forced. The only way that we have to connect is through these devices. <laughs> and so through this process, if we can learn how beautiful and valuable each one of us is, mm-hmm. then when we come out of this and we can rejoice at seeing strangers, yeah, then we can be even quicker down this kind of road to recovery from this experience because we're going to need so much support after this. And there's actually no way that we can even right now, I don't think, conceive of what it's going to look like. I know. We don't know. And then if there's another wave and another wave and it's sort of like, what is the new normal? Well, we don't even know yet. We don't know what the Abbey normal is going to be. There's no normal. There's nothing normal. And when we think about it, it's sort of, we had a false sense of security because anything can happen anytime. But at the same time, right, that, that is it's completely true. But at the same time, it's going to be unhealthy if this turns into a constant anxiety and worry about the environment that we're in and everything being some kind of line of attack against us. I've worked with a lot of people who suffer from OCD and I've been thinking like, what's this going to look like? How are those people going to manage it right now and afterwards? And then what's going to be the level of obsessive behavior generally because of something like this? And so we cannot, despite in the obvious insecurity, we have to find a way to trust 
the process. One of the things that it's kind of funny to me, I mean, I see it myself, I see it in the people I work with, it's look around. For some reason, all of us think that we're not supposed to suffer. We're all, we all kind of have this thing, life's supposed to be easy, and that is just patently false. There will always be suffering. So as I've watched this evolve, and now like they picked up somebody five miles down the road from me last night, it's on my doorstep, I'm not immune to suffering. And the, But that doesn't mean that my perspective on that suffering has to be one of suffering, right? Yeah, exactly. The perspective that we take in these situations and in all of life, if there is one thing that psilocybin has taught me over the last 20 years of working with it, is that the only thing that we have any semblance of control over is our perspective. And even that, we have to be at a certain level of development before we can change our perspective. And that development is dependent on going through the process. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So there's not a whole lot that we're, we're in control of, actually. No. We can be mindful of hygiene, but more importantly, we can be mindful of our perspective. Well, yeah. And there's so much that we don't know anyway that we don't know. Even the so-called experts are sort of like, well, we think this is the thing that will happen, but we're not really sure either. And I think that your idea about what is this going to look like once we're through this, and there's the recovery. Is the recovery now going through it, trying to let go, trying to just allow the process to happen of whatever it is. And then once we're done, sort of see where we are and what are we still needing to work on. And I think it just takes consciousness. And a lot of times we in this culture especially do things unconsciously because we do. We just can. We will. It's hard to stay conscious all the time. It's Well, that begs a really deep and big question that we won't answer today, but may consider and then that is what is consciousness. I tend to Again, like where we are in the process is right exactly where we're supposed to be. And consciousness is behind that, like pure, absolute consciousness. Now, I completely agree that a large number of people walk through life with a very low level of awareness mm -hmm. of the implications of thoughts and actions and all of that. But I find hope, to me, what is a reality that consciousness that is the underlying everything is working out through <laughs> the unconscious. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, pl plenty of times I am unconsciously doing something or maybe even say, <laughs> saying something. Right. But there is a larger consciousness source behind that that is working through us. And so the more we become aware that we are little nodes of this awareness that is operating in this plane or dimension or however we want to term it, if we can be aware of that and mm -hmm. we can step out of the way of that and we can allow for that, then we can actually be the recovery for other. We can be the healing for others. When we, when we talk about, when we're talking about recovery, I'm, I'm just in my mind, I'm thinking in healing, whether it's a physical recovery from a physical wound or it's emotional, psychological, it's repairing or healing of this damaged part. That's right. And that's what also through psilocybin have seen so blatantly that we are the medicine for each other. Yeah. And the earth is the medicine. Oh, and we are the earth. And we are the earth. 
And that's another thing that we will surely see from this outbreak is that we are not separate from our environment. Even in terms we're talking about in terms of this virus that is outside of us, well, that's really kind of a very immature way of looking at it in my mind because it's actually, it is a part of this planet. And there is some imbalance within our planetary system of which we are a crucial part of. There is some imbalance that's bringing out this adjustment. I agree. Yes. I saw my neighborhood florist store sign that said something like, she figured out how to make us all slow down. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. we are definitely slowing down and we are definitely not in planes and in cars. And the ozone is actually healing right now. Oh, I mean, almost how quickly were they talking about the the canals in Italy? I know, I know. You know? I I know. I'm hopeful that it's not going to be a nuclear war that illustrates the direct impact that humans have on their environment. Hopefully something like this that uh, won't kill millions of people, hopefully, right. uh, can wake can wake us up. But part of our recovery has got to be realizing that the old ways don't work. That's exactly right. Period. The old ways do not work. We, quote, survive on tourism, right? So in Jamaica, we, people come down for psilocybin retreats here, and it's a, it's a tourist-based economy here. And we were talking on the way down from the hill from the farm today. Somebody was looking at a big piece of land coming down the hill and saying, well, how come that's not developed and whatnot? And I'm, basically, I just kind of went on a little rant about that it's family-owned property and they weren't selling it or whatever. But basically, the bottom line comes came down to is that this will not work. And right. while we have never been like a resort-style retreat, we lease modest properties around the area here where we're at that are more sustainably developed. They're just kind of just modest. They're not the big resource drain resorts. Uh, but I know I know that psilocybin therapy or wellness in Jamaica, that's the track that it's going down if we don't become aware. And that's one of the conversations that in my world is pretty big right now is the pharmaceuticalization of psilocybin, the turning it into a full wealthy only, basically. Uh, service. Mm-hmm. And that will not work. That will not work. No. It, to me, it's all wrapped together. It's all teaching the same lesson. That is that it's all in our hands. Yeah. Like all of it. And whatever we do has a huge impact. Of course. And I know that the quote unquote journeys that I've sort of been with somebody as they went on a journey, it's sort of like, well, I'm just here to kind of make sure you don't run into a wall or, <laughs> you know, and, I mean, it's your journey. It's I'm not doing this for you. This is you doing this. And I think the earth is sort of kind of telling us, let's just all calm down and get close to the earth and stop doing these things because we are all connected and we are connected to the earth. And we're all on our own little path, but we're all on our own little path together. You get a, a room full of people together for a workshop, and eventually everybody's heartbeat starts to be exactly the same. 
So that, to me, is the real consciousness and doesn't have anything to do with the brain saying, no, 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 we're all separate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I the brain is probably the least conscious exactly. of our cells. Exactly. <laughs> I know my stomach is much more aware than my brain what's good for me. <laughs> That's exactly right. And maybe this is going to show us how to do that, how to look at what we're doing to the earth and what we're doing to ourselves with whatever it is that we're doing and how to get into that sort of other part of our brain that does say, oh, this is good, this is wonderful, this is fine, and not how can I make a dime on this or whatever. Or even just what can this teach me? Yeah. You know, pain. That's one of the main meditations I work with. It kind of actually encourages you to flip your own script on pain and to realize that whatever pain it is, it's there to teach you something. And if you will give yourself to it more, then you'll find out the origin, you'll be able to release it, you'll be able to hold it and then release it. And if we can do that with this scenario, it's no different than a challenging psychedelic trip. It's no different than really any major life-changing event, right? And if a parent dies, when a child is born, whatever it is, you are different afterwards. If you learn through the process and you come out the other side, then you can bring that healing to others. Then that is something that it's like a gift that you have to bring out into the world just by being you. So we, under, we underestimate how potent we are as a energetic system. We think of ourselves in this dum to dum to dum body, roll around, get in the car, eat food, feed dogs, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> we are as crucial as well, how are you going to say the, the every atom in a nuclear device? We are so potent, and the amazing, complicated quantum systems that we are. And if we can slow down, like you said, and just become more aware of that, and more aware of how what a blessing we can be to this earth. We don't have to be a burden to this earth. We can be a blessing to this we earth. We don't. And we've lost that. I would think at one time we were a blessing to the earth and the earth was a blessing to us. And we realized that we live together in nature and with each other and the animals. Maybe not. I don't know. That might be a little too airy-fairy for people. But I feel like we know how to do this is what I'm saying. We already know how to do this. Well, just because you live in harmony here in a more symbiotic relationship with nature doesn't mean suffering and is going to be non-existent again, right? Exactly. So I don't think it's too woo-woo to suggest that indigenous peoples who knew how to, for thousands of years, live on a, a land sustainably and in, in communion with the earth. Right. I think that they had so much to teach us. And that's hopefully, when I was a kid, I remember seeing something about Native Americans and peyote ceremonies when I was like six or seven years old. I was just like, whatever that is, that's it. I didn't even know. I just knew that there was a plant that you could eat that would show you the solutions to your problems. And so from the time I was a kid, I was intrigued by that. Yeah. And then now, over the years, as mushrooms became my medicine, and I'm very, very confident that psychedelics are going to help point us back in that direction. Into I agree. societies that are earth-based and are aware that our mother is here, present, and deserves our utmost appreciation and respect. We've gone on just building freaking skyscrapers and stuff 
and sucking oil. When you think about the oil that is oh, sucked out of this planet, it, it is horrifying to think that this organism, this beautiful, amazing matrix of life that has just sustained us for far longer than we realize and will continue to. She'll be here after we... After she shakes us off. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you kids are... I think humans will stick around too. There won't be as many, uh, of course, (laughs) but I think there's a partnership here and I'm sure grateful for it. That's what really like my work has always been about and why the mushrooms have just been a partnering with the earth. The healing that we need is here and the plants are that, the people are that, the animals are that, the elements are that. I agree. I just love this whole topic that we're talking about and I feel like I could talk about this for a really long time. Apparently, you can too, because it's so interesting. But everything you're saying, again, is what we all know intuitively anyway, deep inside. We already got this. It's not so crazy. It's just that it's a new paradigm shift to start thinking that the very thing that we're scared of right now, this virus, is probably the very thing that will cure us from what we've been doing. I mean, that's what the psychedelic experience so often is, right? You will but go straight head on into your fear and you will find your healing. Yes. And I'm not saying that means go out and try to get Corona by any means, but not trying to distract ourselves from the reality of what's going on. That's right. Using this as an opportunity to focus in on what is actually important, right? How much of our lives prior to this have we spent focusing on Very unimportant things. Very unimportant. And you see that right now here in the States, at least. A lot of stuff that people thought was so important is sort of like, yeah, I'm not doing that right now. Huh. Okay. That's where you got (laughs) to wonder what effect this is going to have on the economy and how the economy is going to shift. Yes. Right. When so much of our individual livelihoods have been built around completely superfluous activity. Not only do they not matter, but... They're actually encumbering growth. They're actually contributing to pollution and waste. And so I'm really excited to think what we can be. But I'm also realistic, and I don't think that this is going to be a quick recovery. I don't think that this is going to be within six months we're going to be on any kind of, I don't want to say normal. It's not going to look like it did before. No, and we're going to have to be open to what it does look like and be okay with that. Exactly. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we just accept things as the way they are and we allow more civil liberties to be taken away or we'd allow xenophobia to become the foothold or even get even deeper claws in, right? Well, that's usually because people are still fearful. And if we can let go of the fear of the unknown, then we don't have to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's entirely what it is. It's entirely based in fear. Somebody's going to take my stuff, and if you don't really have any stuff... (laughs) Because <laughs> it all got taken away anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like. Yeah. Or if you found out where your stuff wasn't the thing that was going to save you, that actually the important part was toilet paper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then it's like, well, huh, I spent all this time gathering all this other stuff, and that's what I really uh, needed. Huh, different. Definitely <laughs> values, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does. Well, Eric, I am so happy to have talked to you and have you on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I love your work. And like I said, I've known a few people that have gone to your retreats and they're just changed forever. And I really, really appreciate 
and what you've done and what you've created there. And I hope that it's back up again soon because I would love to come and meet you in person. So really do love that you were with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I would love to welcome you here in Jamaica. I do hope that we get back up and running here uh, sooner than later because we were seeing so many lives changed, like you said. And I just I love, love helping to bring that into the world. Yep, me too. Love that you're here. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.